0: Hello, this is Kelly Galvin. We are on the Beauty Inside Out podcast. As some of you may know, we are part of the Ask Us Beauty magazine, and we have a special guest with us today, and that is Dr. Nazim. Now, Dr. Nazim, please pronounce your first name so I don't ruin it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I'm Taryn Anazem. Um, I'm a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist um, at Reproductive Medicine Associates of New York in New York City.
0: So I've been. So do people call you Tara then? No, I actually
1: have always I've always made everybody go through the difficulty of <laughs> using my full first name, which has been uh, you know a bear, but it's it's uh, I prefer it.
0: I prefer to go with I the. Love whole thing. It. I love it. I <laughs> Thanks. love it. Because it's so different. So as Dr. Nazim has uh, mentioned, she's a double board certified reproductive and and infertility specialist and an OBGYN. Uh, she works with a great team of physicians at Reproductive Medicine Associates of New York. And she joined there after um, completing her medical training in OBGYN and New York School of Medicine. Uh, and where you got your uh, medical degree from uh, a Khan School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, correct? That's right. That's right. And I came full circle. You really did. And your undergraduate degree at Yale. So tell us about you. Where are you from? where did you go to school? A little bit where we already went through that, but your family, just tell us about you personally.
1: Yeah. Well, so, um, I am a through and through New Yorker. I was born and raised here in New York city. Um, and as you can hear from my my uh, <laughs> list of schools, I didn't make it too far um, no. from the nest. Uh, but, but yeah, I just, um, I'm a New Yorker. I have some family here. I am a mother of two now. Um, I have a, a three-year-old and a three-month-old, um, at home and, um, I, you know, that's what I do in my spare time, but, um, otherwise I, uh, am a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist. Like you said, I started out doing my training in OBGYN, um, after graduating from Yale and, um, doing my medical school at Mount Sinai, did my training at NYU, um, and just fell in love with infertility, the complexity of it, and, um, continued on to do specialized training in, um in the sort of fertility and reproductive space. Uh, And that's, and now I've been practicing at RMA of New York for a while and and love it here. We're affiliated with Mount Sinai Hospital. Um, And yeah, that's sort of my, my little short sound
0: bite. I love that. So you've really been on a mission and you fell in love with the whole, you know, helping people get pregnant. And I think this is something in the past, maybe I'm, I'm just guessing, but you can correct me. Is it about maybe 20 years, 25 years? Cause people are not, um, they're just, it's, they're getting, when they get older, right. They're, they're waiting to That's have right. kids. So is that the reason m- that most of your patients come in and, um, cause they've waited till their forties to get, you it's know, definitely a big contingent.
1: And, um, you know, we're seeing it when we look at sort of natural, uh, national stats, um, the average age of a woman's first uh, birth is is just, it's been climbing over the years. And I think this year it reached 30 years old, which is remarkably late when you think about it as an average, not... Um, it used to be in our early twenties. And so this sort of what we call delayed childbearing is definitely a factor um, when it comes to fertility, because unfortunately women don't have fertility for their entire lives. We have a really limited um, window of opportunity because we're born with all the eggs that we're going to have. So I definitely see lots of um, patients in my practice because of sort of Pushing their timeline a little bit later to start their childbearing years. But there's a multitude of other reasons why I'll see patients of all different ages um, and with and without fertility um, issues uh, for, for in my practice.
0: Yeah, I would think that, you know, there's a multitude of reasons, like you said, that. Uh, women can't get pregnant. And it could be that they're working and they're, you know, they have just got married. Absolutely. And, you know, it's all the, all of the above the stress that goes with it and all that, you know, it's uh, later in life. So what really inspired you to work with you? You could have been just delivering babies. You could have, <laughs> you know, but what inspired you to really kind of focus on this? Um, you know, specialty, the whole infertility, because it is a quite like an experimental science here.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's the biggest draw about it. At least in my case, I found that that was exciting and, and that there was room for discovery. There was a lot still to figure out. Um, and that it is sort of a medically and emotionally complex, um, constellation of issues that, that, that I enjoyed navigating. I, I think that it's, um, on my intellectual side, it was very stimulating to try and do a lot of problem solving, but then on my more like EQ side, I really enjoyed, uh, the sort of personal connection you make with patients yes. through this very vulnerable time in their lives. Um, mm-hmm. and being able to make an impact where it's really meaningful, um, And, uh, and at the same time, being able to be a part of what is a booming, um, area in medicine that really was when I felt like when I started, it was just in its adolescence and we're just still, we have so much to learn and every year we're learning more and more.
0: Yeah. So I said about 20 years, how close was I?
1: (laughs) Well, actually, you know, the first IVF baby, um, was born in 1970 or the first pregnancy was 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, actually it's been longer than you think, but we have come leaps and bounds since right. that time. Um, and, and truly every year there's an exponential surge in the amount of research and discovery, um, in technology and methods of, um, you know, medical management and all that kind of stuff. So, so, uh, you know, it's probably become more popularized in the past 20 years, but it's been going on since longer than that.
0: So this is, you know, this, this context is, you know, where maybe there's some women who are listening and have thought about this. When is the real, you know, time to actually, like they've been maybe trying to get pregnant. When is Mm -hmm. the real time to actually take it seriously? They may go search the internet on certain things that they, you know, need to do, but when is it really time to go talk to a specialist?
1: You know I don't think there is you know a right answer to that it, it, it can be anytime if the thought has crossed your mind go on in um, there isn't some sort of like rite of passage or you know sort of like criteria you have to meet in order to see a specialist and I think that's um, a myth I need to debunk right from the beginning which is you don't need a referral to come see somebody like me if you're thinking about conceiving and you want to have a checkup that's something that you can absolutely do before you even start trying, or if you've started trying and you want some extra guidance or, um, it's been a while and you need, you need now to really see somebody, any one of those junctures are fine uh, for a checkup. If you want to go by the rules of, you know, quote unquote, infertility diagnosis for a woman who is under 35 years old, if she's been trying for a year and hasn't been successful getting pregnant, she mm-hmm. should absolutely come in, um, and mm-hmm. get evaluated with her partner. Um, and for a woman over 35, it's after six months of trying. Um, but like I said, you don't have to wait to meet that, you know, moment of, of officially done this much t- trying. And now I have to come in, you can absolutely come in earlier than that. If, if it's something yeah. that would be helpful.
0: Well, and I also think that, you know, if you're, thinking about getting pregnant, there's other things in your life that might pertain to, um, helping you conceive, um, and being the most healthy that you can when you conceive, right? So what are some of the things that you should avoid as far as vitamins, medications, if you're trying to conceive, you know, there's a lot of people on, let's just say, um, Maybe they're on you know antidepressants or they're on mm-hmm. um, thyroid medicines. Or mm-hmm. is there anything like that that could just dis- disrupt that pregnancy?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, this is a great question. And, and I think it's always as somebody's planning to get pregnant, you know, they always want to know what can I do to optimize um, sort of my reproductive journey ahead. Um, there's a lot of things that you can, can't do um, more that you can do that you don't know you can do. Um, and so the, that's why I say it's, it's never wrong to, you know, go, go in for a checkup from the beginning and kind of go through with your doctor, whether it's your general OBGYN or a fertility specialist. Um, or even some of your you know, primary medical um, doctors to, to make sure that whatever medications you want are safe in pregnancy. In fact, there are a lot of antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications that are completely safe to keep okay. uh, taking through pregnancy. Um, uh, things like we call them SSRIs, which are the most common medications that people take for that are completely safe. Um, and um, there are a lot of vitamins that are, that are fine for you to take, but you know, obviously if you are taking prescription medications, um, it would be important to address with whoever is prescribing them to you, um, or your OBGYN, whether or not it's safe as you're trying to
0: conceive, or um, alcohol. I mean, everyone has a glass of wine now and then, or uh, yeah, just all of the, all of the above getting enough sleep and all of the above. So you want to make sure that Um, if you do find out you're pregnant, like that, you're, that you're not worried about these things. So it's, it's so funny because people, they just get pregnant normally, they just get pregnant. Right. And Mm -hmm. then they go in to see the doctor (laughs) they, they first actually take a a home test, right? Right. That's correct. And then they go in to see the doctor, but this kind of turns it around a little bit. So it's really good advice. What you're saying It's just go in first kind of, if you're thinking about it, plan it, you know, Mm -hmm. optimize your body, yourself, your workout habits, um, your water intake, your nutrition, vitamins, you know, minerals, all of that, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the only, the only thing I have to say though, as a fertility specialist is is that it is great to be in Ah. your best health and your best shape and, you know, try and get everything perfectly aligned before you get pregnant but let's get real. Yeah, It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd say my, my number one advice is, is work on all of those things. Set goals for yourself um, as you are trying to um, conceive or start planning that part of your life. But don't put everything on hold until it's perfect because um, time is also of the essence. And, um, you know, your fertility will decline with time. And so, you know, it, it, and it does take time to optimize your health. Um, so if you have the time to spare, do it, go ahead. Um, but don't, don't, um, lose sight of the bigger prize, which is, uh, you know, getting on with the, the trying part.
0: So, you know, I just want to let everyone know: in uh, April's issue of Ask Us Beauty Magazine, we did a an article uh, with Dr. Nazim. So, if there's any other questions, you can go there, and her all of her information is listed there. But one of the questions that I had asked you was: it was, you know, some of the reasons that people have infertility, and you said yeah. something initially was like you're born with all the eggs that you're going to have. And is that, does that vary quite a bit per person or woman? Yeah. You know, it's, it's this very,
1: uh, inefficient way that women are built and this is universal. All women are born with all the eggs they're ever going to have. And so by the time we're born, we've actually already started losing eggs. And by the time you hit puberty, it's, you're already down to less than half of what you started with. And so, um, that is why we actually do have a biologic clock that, you know, there, there's no way to capture more eggs or get more eggs in the future. Um, And so the number of the eggs that you have are are dwindling with time, which is why by the time you go through menopause, you have very few left in your ovaries. And then on top of it, the bigger issue, which people don't really talk about, because, you know, everybody sort of says, well, who cares how many eggs I have, because it only takes one to get pregnant. It's not just about the quantity. It's actually the quality of the eggs that's decreasing with time. And that is really the rate limiting step of reproduction. It's very hard to get pregnant unless you have a good egg coming out. Right. um and that and that's the issue as we get older so um you know there's some general um there's a general trend that all women sort of at the same on the same time frame you know lose their egg quantity and quality um but it's it varies from person to person a little bit um so you know some people have a a slower faster biologic clock than the average woman
0: yeah yeah, yeah. so that's it it's interesting because you do go through a stage where it's like, all right, I want to get pregnant as a woman. I know this because I felt it. And, um, mm-hmm. and I hats off to the women who say, I don't ever want to get pregnant because it yeah. really is a commitment for a lifetime. You know, you're you That's always, right. <laughs> you, and my so,
1: patients always ask me, they say, you know, Oh God, I'm so tired. I'm so stressed. Like, when am I going to feel better? And I said, um, Sorry to break into you, but this is going to be the rest of your life. You know, once you, once you become a mother, you just never stop worrying about stuff and a lot of sleepless nights ahead, but it's a beautiful thing at the same time
0: is the most rewarding and most challenging, um, part of your life. And absolutely, but you know, you can't, you just, you can't even tilt the scale with the amount of love that you receive you know, back and have for your child. It's just amazing. So um, we also asked you a couple of things, and I would like you to just touch on this a little bit. When somebody goes in, I know it's really hard to just make that first move and call, but what are the questions that you should really ask? Because I'm starting to see billboards with IGF come in and see us, And, you know, lots of advertising around that is, is, you know, you want to kind of go to a doctor who you feel like uh, has experience and you can trust. What are some good questions to ask that doctor?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, this is something I think it's challenging in all areas of medicine, but particularly with fertility treatments, IVF treatments, um, et cetera. I mean, Uh, there is no way really for anybody to figure out who is a quote, good doctor, right? You know, I mean, there's just not like space, it's like, there's no uh, resume that you just know, like, oh, that's a good one or not good one or whatever. But um, I'd say that, you know, sticking with highly reputable institutions um, Mm -hmm. that are, um, you know, that have been in existence for some time, um, and have proven results, there, are, there is a national registry um, that all major fertility centers do have to log their results with um, so that you can find out you know, whether or not their, their outcomes and their statistics are on par with the national average above or below. Um, and that can be helpful, particularly for somebody who's considering IVF in their future. Um, what a lot of people don't know is is IVF or in vitro fertilization is um, it's really just a big numbers game, and in order to maximize your outcomes, you really need to be in a place that has a good experience and has consistency in, um, in their outcomes. And so um, that's something that you you can look up online. Um, But you can also always ask your doctors that you go to, like your OBGYN, um, you know, will probably be more familiar with people in the fertility world in whatever region you live in. Yeah, um, of, yeah. you know where 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 would be the best fit for me, um, and for what I possibly right. need. You,
0: you want to make sure the doctor has the right credentials, but you also want to have that chemistry with them too. You know, that's you have-
1: right. And and there's nothing wrong with seeing more than one doctor. Uh, I tell all my friends and family the same. You know, you don't just because you made the appointment. If you didn't feel the right connection, it's okay to make another with somebody else. Um, and you know, you want to feel that you are comfortable. So definitely go with your gut and intuition on that and make sure that you, you have good chemistry with your doctor, but also make sure that they have a laboratory with really good outcomes. And, and that's the piece I think that people are very um, unaware of in this kind of, uh, this kind of treatment, you really need results. Um, and that only comes with a highly experienced, uh, robust lab.
0: And do these labs, are they on site? on these, uh, uh in vitro, yeah. they're on site. So yeah. it's, it's, so it's easier to nurture the eggs that are there.
1: Right. Exactly. So, you know, wherever you're going to go to see your doctor is the place where there's going to be a laboratory that doctor works with that is, you know, helping to make embryos or freeze your eggs or whatever it is that you're looking to do. Right. Um, and it's just important to know that, um, the experience in that clinic is, um, it has been proven you know ah, that they have good outcomes, yeah.
0: yeah, you know there's a there's this interesting mystery that I've always thought about, and you hear it a lot where couples who try to get pregnant and they they don't have success and then they end up adopting and then they get pregnant. Uh, yeah. what do you think about that?
1: You know, there is a lot of like anecdotal information about these kinds of cases where somebody did, you know, round after round, after round of IVF. And they finally throw in the towel and they say, just, this is just not going to work for us. And then boom, they get pregnant on their own. It's not something that's like, you know, proven that there's some science behind it or whatever, but I think there is, um, there's some real beauty, um, in, in the whole thing, um, when it does sort of work out that way. Um, you know, we all sort of wonder, does it have to do with sort of letting go and releasing some of the stress and anxiety, that you were so, you know, tightly wound up about while you were going through treatment. And as soon as you let go, it just things happen or is it just random dumb luck? I don't know. Uh, I wish I had a good answer.
0: It's, or maybe it's that like, okay, I'm a parent. I wanted to be a parent and now I'm a parent and that thinking mindset that you're a parent, Mm -hmm. then you actually become a parent. (laughs) So you sort of like if you will it (laughs) yes it's it's very esoterical but you know i hear i've heard so many stories of people who you know adopt and then they get pregnant it's like and then guess what we got pregnant so now they have two um so i'm just thinking any other um you know any other things to maximize chances of getting pregnant for people who are listening and who are trying. Absolutely. The number one thing is being
1: in your best health. So if you have medical problems, making sure that you have, you know, reached a certain goal that you and your doctor have set that your, your medical problems are stable, that your medications are, um, are at the right level, that they're safe for you to take in pregnancy. Um, if you have, uh, struggled with your weight, you know, making sure that you're at your optimal BMI, um that you know it's been shown that overweight and obese uh patients have a harder time conceiving um and uh, have you know poor outcomes so something that you should absolutely be working on um and you know there isn't any special diet uh that you're supposed to be on but uh, you know there's Theoretically, the Mediterranean diet is like the best diet to be yes. on because it's just a balanced diet with all ah. of the major food groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if there's anything kind of like extreme in your diet uh, habits, I would sort of try and get that balance back. Um, you were asking about like alcohol. Um, I think everything in moderation. I don't think it needs to be uh, completely cut out until you are pregnant, um, but um, definitely, you know, no, no big you know, benders, um, that's not ideal. Um, and if you're a smoker or using any kind of recreational drugs like marijuana, those things should be cut out of your, of your daily habits. Um, but, uh, a prenatal vitamin is always a good idea. Um, for men a, a regular multivitamin, um, can be very helpful. Um, and, um, you know, being active exercising, like all of the things that we know we should always be doing you should just actually do them, um, you know, be, be in your, your good health.
0: I think that's great advice. And especially about the Mediterranean diet out of all the diets that I've heard of Mediterranean diet just sounds the most attractive to me. And it it's is- also a doable diet, it's you know, doable. like it's nothing, it's- nothing extreme. Yeah. And it's, you know, you think of just all the healthy things that you can eat and just making it super simple. Don't go on any crash diets. But again, like you right. said, watching your weight because you know you're gonna gain weight when you get pregnant. That's right. And then you gotta go through that task of losing. I weight.
1: know, and it's been well shown that like over, more than half of the women who, you know, gain weight in pregnancy after they deliver, they do not resume their, their former weight Um, or they, they get close, but you know, like there's just a lot of extra pounds uh, for quite some time um, that, you know, if you want to have more than one child, you have to sort of take into consideration too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So my last question to you is, with all that you do to really, you know, you're, you're like mother stork and you really are because <laughs> you have, uh, you have a brand new baby three months or four months. Now. Yeah. Almost four months. And then your other child is seven, three years old. Oh my gosh. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's so, right. I,
1: that is the correct reaction how to what is, I have going on at home. <laughs>
0: The reality is, I mean, like, I can't even imagine first thing you do in the morning is like, I would be like, what about my coffee? Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm a grandmother. So I know, and it's exhausting every time, every time I, uh, that's right. every time I visit. So how do you keep the balance? What's your, what's your advice on that?
1: You know, I'm going to keep it real. It's tough. It is really a tough balancing act. And, you know, there, everybody talks about work-life balance. Well, like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to <laughs> tell you what you're supposed to do, but, you know, I'd say it's happy chaos and just embrace it. You know, just, just know that you just find pleasure in whatever you're doing, whether you're at home, you're at work. I, I really love what I do. I love my family time. I love my professional time. It's all very fulfilling. It's all things I chose to do with my life. Um, and sure, it's a little hectic uh, at times, yeah. but um, you know, just finding, finding uh, little, little ways to laugh through uh, the hard times helps.
0: I really I think that's such great advice. Find the humor. Don't take everything too seriously. I mean, you clearly can't tell your three month goals. <laughs> this is not wor- work-life balance right now. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's like, it's like <laughs> silly for me to just be like, oh yeah, it's perfect. You know? Yeah. Just, I like that. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to do, but it is so worth it and so fulfilling in so many different ways that um that you just gotta kind of Push through and and find your happiness.
0: Yes, you do. And I encourage everybody to you know reach out to uh, Dr. Nazim if you have any questions. I'm sure she'll just email you back. You know, it's she she provides real s- strong support, and she's a specialist. She really, I feel like you really make people feel comfortable with this whole process because you really you know, you, you have such passion about what you do. And, you know, this, the whole emotional effect of it all, you really need somebody who's super positive and stable. So, you know, I uh, encourage everybody listening to contact Dr. Nazim. I'm gonna put her information in the bottom of our podcast and then go to Ask Us Beauty. You'll also find her there. And it is in the April edition, April this year, 2022 of Ask Us Beauty Magazine, which can be found at askusbeautymagazine.com. So thank you so much, Dr. Nazim, first, you know, and, and kiss that little boy baby, because he's been <laughs> so good during this podcast. As an I editor, know. Thank as you I, so
1: much, Kelly, for having me. It's been a pleasure. I, um, I love sort of educating everybody about what I do. I think it's, it, it's something that can be really empowering um, for young women and couples who are trying to find some solutions or who aren't for people who don't have all the answers yet and they're looking for some. So um, thank you for giving me this opportunity and uh, hopefully we'll do more of it.
0: Absolutely. It's been an honor to have you on. Yeah, same here. All right, bye for now.